0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on relevant radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, we are glad to welcome in Jennifer Forward, who is the uh, Director of Religious Education at our Divine Savior Parish in the great city of Chico. Jennifer, good to hear your voice.
1: Good morning. Hello.
0: Good to have you with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Divine Savior, our design, Divine Savior in uh, in Chico. Um,
1: well, it's um, a pretty fantastic parish. Just um, a Pretty lively group, a very welcoming group of people that honestly uh, really loves and encourages to um, support the youth and programs and efforts, so um, a lot of people praying for our programs coming up, and yeah, pretty active um, parish of people.
0: And you're on East Lassen Avenue in Chico. Can you see Mount Lassen from the parish? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. I know uh, when when my wife and kids and I, when we drive up the valley, uh, it's always a quarter for the first kid that can see Mount Lassen, you know. (laughs) And there's a lot of false sightings. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Well, I, uh, yeah, Chico's one of my... Uh, I used to be a, uh, a sports writer covering uh, UC Davis sports, and uh, Chico was my favorite trip. So uh-huh. back when Chico State and UC Davis were uh, compatriots in, in in the same league. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, tell us about this... Uh, uh, first about religious education there, and then specifically about... Uh, father son and mother daughter
1: um well we have a faith formation for all grades um beginning kindergarten and all the way through confirmation typically students get confirmed in junior high mm-hmm. um, we have high school group of students also doing confirmation um, and sacrament prep obviously um typically is second grade um but with COVID, that's a little bit uh different. I in our parish, I don't know if this is happening everywhere, but we have a lot of older students now mm-hmm. that um so our programs have changed a little bit and that way we have a lot of older kids um involved in faith formation where it used to be younger, so a lot of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth and high school kids.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's good. Sh- so the uh, Father-Son program is coming up on uh, Friday, February 3rd, and the mother-daughter is coming up on Saturday, February
1: 4th. Yeah, this is, these are programs that are actually open to the entire diocese, but we um, decided to put the effort into planning these events this year because um, we've done this in Chico a number of times over the years, they're really, really valuable, fantastic programs. with such a beautiful message for our um, um, boys and girls. And we, we wanted to put the effort into it. Um, my original goal was to make it part of our confirmation program because um, part of preparing for confirmation is including the parents. And this is a great event for parents to attend with their boys and girls. Um, So that was the original goal, and then we reached out to some people from the diocese to help us who would promote it so that everybody in our area, because it's so great to keep it to one or two parishes is, um, you know, would be really sad. It should be open to everyone, and we wanted to get as many people involved because it would take a group effort, and hopefully um, once people see the value of it, they'll want to do it in their parishes or help. Um, help to um, do a program again in this area where people could come. Sacramento is a bit of a drive for us up here in the North State, mm-hmm. so yeah.
0: So, you, presumably, you'll attract people from all around uh, the area. There,
1: yes, uh, we have actually we have um, people registered um, from Davis and Woodland. Um, uh, Gridley, um, Yuba City, and then closer to us, Oroville, Corning, Willows. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, people have already registered from all over. Of course, the bulk of the people are from Chico, but, um, yeah, there are, and everybody is welcome.
0: Well, we Let me know when you get somebody from St. Joseph and Wairika.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. It's hard for us up here north to have these kind of um Large quality programs sure. because our parishes are so small and, and it takes a lot of people to put a program like this together, so it's a conscious effort, <laughs> even though it's only a few hours it has to be done well and it takes a bit of planning so
0: um, <laughs> I know all the all the events I've ever been involved in, uh, some of them at the diocesan level, and some of them not to do with the church, just in my hometown you know and and they're all two, three, four-hour events, and if they come off flawlessly, people think, ah, they did it last night, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I always say to them, if it comes off flawlessly, it's because a lot of people did a lot of hard work ahead of time.
1: Yes, Yeah. And a lot of experienced people who know um, the, just how great the program is and really want to see it being offered for more families.
0: Is this something that, that is offered throughout the country, or are there, are there similar programs? Is there a model to build on? Uh,
1: well, that's an interesting question. Um, we uh, started the first program about 12 years ago um, in Chico. At, mm-hmm. It actually took place at the Newman Center, but mm-hmm. some people from St. John's um, did the first one, and we they hired the originator, the the gal who started the program, who was from the Diocese of Memphis.
0: Right. I was thinking there was a Tennessee connection.
1: Yes. She started it in 1986. Okay. And um, then everybody who experienced it just loved it. It, It was such a profound, beautiful message, such a great experience that I mean, everybody raved about it, and so it continued to grow, and she put things together to help other people do it. So they were trying to serve their own purpose and their own needs at the time. But then it did spread. and um, so a group of people uh, started it about twelve years ago for the first time, and they did it for a couple of years. And then there was a big break, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it happened again. Fortunately, it was always just at the right time for my own children. Um, so I've attended or helped with it uh, almost every time, well, every time it's been here in Chico. And the father-son, I think they did that maybe the second year.
2: I'm
1: mm-hmm. um, not sure if they did it the very first year. And so the girls program, we have not had a mother-daughter program in this area for six years. And mm-hmm. the, the father-son program we last had was three years ago. So again, it has to be done well. We tried planning the mother daughter program three years ago when we could not get the right speakers together, we couldn't get all the pieces together, and it, it just it wasn't it wasn't working out and you can't throw it together. So we had yep. to just cancel that unfortunately.
0: I think free ice cream is the key.
1: Well, yes, the, <laughs> the younger girls will have an ice cream party and the older girls oh, really? will have oh, wow. a tea party. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The older girls will have what?
1: <laughs> More like a tea party. They uh-huh. get, oh, uh, very
0: good. Yeah. A
1: little bit nicer appetizers yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah.
0: It was that cucumber sandwiches?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We've got some wonderful people volunteering to help with that piece.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Tea is fun. That's yeah, it's great fun. So, what were the biggest challenges in, like, uh, twelve years ago in, in in setting this up and getting the word out and letting people know that this was something valuable?
1: Well, yeah, I don't know if um, it was challenges that brought the program. Um, it was really sort of a discovery of the program and how wonderful it was. Mm-hmm. So an interest in in bringing this to the area. Um, And then it just went over amazing. I was there at the very first one with my daughter and all of her friends that she went through faith formation with. So the kids were all there with their peers, and that makes a big difference. These are kids that they're in religious ed with. Um, They're also in school with. So they're going through the same thing. They're hearing the same message. They're there with their mothers. The mothers felt really good about it. Um, because it's a conversation that sometimes is difficult to have, but it really puts it in perspective with a beautiful message um, and and helps to bring the mother-daughter together for communication. You know, you've opened it up with just some lovely help to be able to talk about this in a beautiful way instead of that awkward, you know, anxious.
0: Yeah, or not talking about it at all.
1: Well, yeah, there's yeah. always that, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah uh, it's not the it's it's probably not the conversation everybody wants to have uh, as a parent it just
1: not necessarily not until you have to, which is unfortunate yeah. so yeah. we i we encourage um parents to bring their girls and boys who are um perhaps they're not sure, but maybe they're beginning to develop um and showing signs of developing and maturing and they're just on the young age when parents would be like, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's really the best time because they hear about it in such a great way that if you're trying to take an older child who's almost, you know, at the top of the age range for the program who already has their, you know, thoughts, ideas, experiences, Mm -hmm. it's a little harder. So getting that message early um, is Beautiful because then the message grows with them, and it's certainly not a message that they get, um, you know, outside of a church setting.
0: And they they are getting very a great number of messages about this topic, though.
1: Very great number, and yeah. it's bombarded, bombarded in a way that is causing a lot of anxiety for kids.
0: These yeah, days. I think I think we. I guess maybe it's social media, and and but man, it just seems like it's way more messages than when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. And it was hard, it was hard enough when I was a kid, but now I just, I just go, wow. Um, so
1: all the more reason. We need so much help, so much help and support. And this, we couldn't need a program like this more um, than we do today for our kids.
0: Did, did mother, daughter, father, son both start ab- about the same time, or, or was, did one precede the other?
1: start just about the same time because again it was um, that original program in the Diocese of Memphis they put it together Mm -hmm. um, you know with the intention of of helping um, you know their community at that time for a topic that was difficult and it was a way for them to share the message so it just was done well and it went over the very first time, amazingly.
0: Was uh, coming out of Memphis not a heavy uh, Catholic area, was it specifically Catholic?
1: It was done through the diocese. Mm-hmm. So it was um, done
0: through the diocese, yeah. It was yeah.
1: Um, a program of the diocese. It was through their natural family planning
0: mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: program, mm-hmm. so it was a program of, of natural family planning originally to sure. get that message out. Um, not not just for natural family planning but because the message that goes with it right um you know touches on your growth and development at this age but when my um younger daughter went when she was old enough to attend she invited uh some friends who were not catholic Uh they attended so we have people who are not catholic that attend who have attended the programs every time just about and They love it as much as anybody because it's really um, not just, I mean, it's not just a Catholic teaching.
0: No, not at all. So so without invading your daughter's privacy, how did she respond to it?
1: Well, just almost every um, young person attending is a little nervous and not sure about it, Mm -hmm. almost every single time. They're like, what are we doing? We're going to go talk about what and where. Uh But every time they leave and they finish the program, they're relieved. um, The reviews are always good. We get an evaluation from every participant and every parent, um, and always the reviews are good. So... Um, she had a great experience she and it helped so much to be able to talk she especially my younger had um, a little more um, just a little was a little less interested in the conversation about it so mm-hmm. it was super helpful because it just you know this is a natural part a beautiful a beautiful way that God planned for every single one of us it's an amazing miracle and and the way that we're put together as humans is just incredible. So to hear more about that, and to see it from God's perspective, is something you
0: can't forget. No, and we're made in the image and likeness of God. So this is <laughs> this is the way God wanted it done. Yeah, uh, exactly. You'd, you you on real thin ice if you ever second guess God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So actually, the now the, now the mother daughter you actually have that divided into two groups.
1: Yeah, because um, we have. Young girls who are, um, and girls tend to develop a little younger than mm-hmm. boys. Right. And so um, they start at 10 when they are typically going through um, the developmental changes. And then the boys, because they develop a little bit um, later,
2: we, there's a smaller age gap.
0: So with the, the tweens, uh, just the sort of recommended ages, obviously with some differences, is 10 to 12, and, and they're from 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday the 4th, and then the teens, uh, again, 13 to 16, uh, from 1 to 5 p.m. on the same day, Saturday, February 4.
1: Yes, and the older girl program is a little bit more mature because um, we will sort of extend what they've learned from the younger girl program, you don't have to have been to the program previously because we still um, talk about similar content, but mm-hmm. with it's a little bit longer and we spend a little bit more time um, talking about some more mature um, issues around um, chastity and modesty and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and at an age where girls understand, you know, uh, what God's plan for us is a little bit more when they're ten years old. Um, are really just learning, and they don't know quite as much.
0: So So the tweens is uh, 9 a.m. to noon. The teens are 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. That's Saturday, February 4, at uh, our Divine Savior at the Parish Social Hall, Mm -hmm. 566 East Lassen Avenue. Can I give a phone number if people have questions?
1: Sure. They can call 530-345-6201.
0: Very good. Very good. And do you want do you want people to sign up ahead of time?
1: Um yes, it's very helpful to plan for uh refreshments.
0: You need to know how much tea to make? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. And how much ice cream to get? How much ice so. cream?
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'll bring the cucumber sandwiches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the information people need to know is on the website. And they can register online. We've tried to make it as easy as possible. So
0: Very good. And the the father-son program Describe is 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 it does it have a different focus at all?
1: Um, it's a similar focus, but um, you know, men do it differently. It's funny uh, um, talking with them and and trying to help with planning. And the girls, you know, we're going to decorate. It's going to be very pretty and lovely. And the guys are like, Yeah, we don't need decorations. <laughs> they just uh, they, <laughs> and they did such an amazing job the last time three years ago. Their program, I'll be honest, that time went over a little bit late, and Mm. I was expecting that you know, when they were a little bit late um, that some people would feel like, gosh, I just want to get out of here. But the Uh truth was they didn't want to leave. It was so refreshing for the men to be able to come together and talk about this topic in such a beautiful, loving way because, again, we're all bombarded, not just the young girls and boys, but as adults. Oh, now, absolutely! Men and women, we are bombarded with yep. messages that are not life-giving, and um, it was so nice. They just really appreciated the opportunity to gather in that setting. So
0: now, in the in the father son, you you do have TVs up there with a football game on. No, no. Okay. or turn off the TV <laughs> for the, just the time being. Very good. And the, <laughs> the, 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 the uh, father-son is February 3rd. That's a Friday, uh, 5.30 p.m., starts with dinner, and then the program starts at 6 o'clock.
1: Yeah, they really wanted to provide dinner um, because, you know, the, the early evening time. But for people who just need that extra time and can't get there for that, they can still come at
0: 6. Okay. And just be there for the program. And again, uh, uh, people, if they to sign up, they can call 530-345-6201. Yes. Very good. Uh, Jennifer, anything I didn't ask that you'd like to add? Um,
1: I don't think so. If people are, have questions or they're wondering about it, I would encourage them to go online to the website mm-hmm. um, at ourdivinesavior.org and, and read about it. There's... Um, Plenty of information, uh, flyer with the details if they've forgotten, and um, they certainly can call with questions. Yeah,
0: very good, Jennifer. Uh, God's blessings to you and all the people putting this together, and everybody there Thank at Our you. Divine Savior.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, thanks for thanks for taking the time. Take care. That's, okay. Uh, that's Jennifer Forward, who is uh, uh, helping to run this uh, this great uh, these two great programs. Again, the mother daughter program uh saturday february 4 and you don't have to live in the north state or you don't have to live in chico uh, it's for everybody uh it's, it's a beautiful ride up there uh, in early february by the way the trees are just a, all the almonds are just about to bloom uh, saturday february 4 uh the tweens this is the mother daughter the tweens are ages 10 to 12 from 9 a.m to noon Uh, The teens are ages 13 to 16, 1 to 5 p.m., and uh, Jennifer said there will be an ice cream party for the tweens and a tea party for the teens. Uh, And then the uh, father-son is the previous, it's Friday night, February the 3rd, starts with dinner at 5.30 p.m. If you can't make the dinner, uh, the actual program doesn't start till 6, so you, you come to either or both. Uh, all of this, again, at Our Divine Savior Parish Social Hall. That's 566 East Lassen Avenue in Chico. And the phone number there is 530- 345-6201. Or you can go to ODS. That's Our Divine Savior. ODS Religious Ed at yahoo.com to learn more about it. And I'd like to uh, Everybody, to pre-register if if they can. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on a Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store—a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8, and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Four seven two zero, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour.
2: This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning.
0: Thank you, Deacon Kevin, for all the great work you do uh, here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, we're pleased to welcome in uh, Lincoln Snyder, who is the President and CEO of the NCEA, the National Catholic Educational Association, a national organization representing all our great Catholic schools. Lincoln, good day to you.
2: Good day to you, Bob. Great to be uh, back on the show.
0: Let's see. It's like midnight in Virginia, right? It's
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And it's it's rainy
0: here though i can't complain given california oh my goodness yeah nobody's uh we've we've gotten a break in the weather and now it's uh clear and cold and uh people are complaining about the cold They're Going, well, come on we'll freeze all that water that just came down out of the sky <laughs> <laughs> we, indeed indeed we're gonna uh, be uh, ice skating on the yolo causeway pretty soon it's, it's absolutely but uh yeah we're we're hanging in there. Uh, it, it was a boy, especially on the coast. It was a, a rough couple of weeks there.
2: It was. I, you know, uh, I used to live in Rancho Murrieta, and, and so yeah. I like cousins in Wilton who attend.
0: Uh, oh boy!
2: Catholic schools in town. I uh, really had a hard time making it, in, given the fact they're organized, uh, or oh, sorry, evacuated three times in sixteen
0: days. Wilton. Yeah, it was basically an island almost. You know you you couldn't get in or out so it was it was very difficult so yeah but um a, a lot going on in our world and this, that was just a little bump compared to what a lot of people are going through these days lincoln uh tell us uh, but first off just tell us uh, give us a little overview on the ncea
2: yeah, happy to. So we are the uh, the the association for all five thousand nine hundred and thirty nine Catholic schools in the United States. You know, we've got uh, one hundred and seventy five dioceses with schools, and uh, we've been around since nineteen oh four. Helping coordinate the work of all of those schools at the national level. So we're not the nation superintendent. You know, Bishop Soto is uh, is the, is the boss in Sacramento, as it is with all of his brother bishops. But you know, our role is to we're the keepers of the census, and we help with, um, you know, advocating for schools. Um, uh, you know, and with uh, you know the support of uh, the USCCB and our lobbyists that actually go out and do the lobbying work. Um, but uh, you know, our job is to serve as the voice for Catholic schools nationally to make sure we're we're promoting promoting Catholic education uh, you know, for being the great treasure that it is.
0: How many schools did you say?
2: Five thousand nine hundred and thirty-nine Catholic schools in the United States.
0: Wow, and that includes uh, high schools and all the way
2: yes wow. high schools elementary schools preschools So we uh, uh you know our association has uh everybody in catholic education all the students and schools and employees up to uh, end of 12th grade so it's uh it's a big and thriving network wow and since
0: 1904 since 1904 was, was the mission in 1904, I know you, you weren't there, I was, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was the mission then similar to what it is now?
2: Very similar, actually. The, the schools, uh, so the, the Catholic schools um, are complex in that, you know, some are owned by parishes, and some are owned by dioceses, and some are owned by religious orders, and right. some are independent. And so NCEA is that group that brings everybody together for the conversation. So we're, we're independent of the USCCB, uh, not that we don't collaborate with them. The bishops, mm-hmm. of course, are the ultimate catechists, and, you know, they have that critical leadership role for the Church. But the difference is, is I mean, if you look at the old pictures from—we have photos from the 19-teens, and it's all religious sisters, uh, for the most part, that were the directors of our schools, and so they would come together in convention. And— you know, so the convening was really about taking all these different voices you know from the religious orders from from the, the clerical world from the parent uh, driven schools um, you know everybody and getting them to talk about what's best for Catholic schools
0: and you're, you're headquartered in the DC area is that uh, intentional
2: it is and so we um, we have an office at the the Chancery building in Arlington, Virginia, just outside D.C., uh, and it is important for us to be close. I was actually just at the U.S. Capitol today for the—this week is School Choice Week, and next mm-hmm. week is Catholic Schools Week, which we're you know, now hitting our 49th year of Catholic Schools Week, so um, it is important for us to be close to the U.S. ECB and to the Capitol to help uh, um, tell, uh, tell the story about why Catholic schools are so important. To the nation. Catholic,
0: Catholic Schools Week is the same week all across the country?
2: All across the country. This is something that NCEA started uh, 49 years ago, and so we'll be having uh, our 50th anniversary of Catholic Schools Week next year.
0: The 49 years? So does that mean you guys are all rooting for the 49ers?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, as I found, uh, you know, not, not, in not every diocese are they 49er fans the way they tend to be in the north of California. But, uh, we're, uh, yeah, it's, it's an important week for us. I mean, obviously uh, it's a real chance for Catholic schools to put their Best foot forward uh, as a community, and and uh, really talk about all the things we're great things we're doing to connect our students to Jesus Christ.
0: Well, you know, the best foot forward uh, as we saw during the pandemic, uh, the, the Catholic schools, and I'm, I'm speaking here in the Diocese of Sacramento, but I'm sure there's similar stories across the country. The Catholic schools got back open uh, <laughs> largely through a lot of work with uh, by yourself here. Lincoln was the uh, executive director of our Catholic schools here in the uh, superintendent uh, in the diocese of Sacramento before going to the NCEA, and you were meeting with what eleven different county uh, health boards, uh, and and following all the rules, but but coming up with some innovative ideas to to get your students back. In class, and a lot of people who maybe weren't part of Catholic education thought, "Gee, this is something we want. To we want our kids back in class," and and then a lot of them stayed even back after their whatever school they had come from uh, reopened.
2: Absolutely, uh, you know, well, a couple of things, and I'll, I'll start with the numbers, and then talk about the storytelling we're doing. Uh, first of all I'll I'll say it here first in public, Bob. Um, you know, spoil, spoilers, uh we are going to announce next week that we are up for the second year in a row wow. as a Catholic
0: school system. Nationwide.
2: Uh, nationwide we're up and our uh parochial schools, our elementary schools are up two percent.
0: And that's that wow. reverses uh a long trend the other way.
2: Yes, we've had you know, Catholic schools, uh, I know, mean, of course it's a different ecosystem than it was in the nineteen fifties. Sure. In the nineteen fifties we had 180,000 nuns and uh, 5 million kids mm-hmm. in our schools. You know, today we're uh, in a happy network of 1.7 million um, and with 146,000 employees, uh, but uh, mostly lay partners, not religious. But uh, you know, the good news is we've grown two years in a row now, which is really exciting. We, uh, we uh, And uh, the great news for the, the future of the system is that um, in early childhood education and in the youngest grades, we've got more kids in
0: those grades than we had before COVID. So uh, 2%, you said?
2: 2%. Our elementary schools are going to be
0: up 2% nationally. Well, so obviously within that 2%, there's some that are at, near zero and there are some that might be at 10. Do you look at the ones that have the high number and say, are they doing something a little bit different?
2: Yeah. Uh, you, know, the, the, um, you know, so even within places that the, maybe some geographies that um, – been hit harder than others with with things like um, declining numbers, but you know people have moved a lot during the uh, pandemic mm-hmm. too, and so it's not you know it's not entirely fair to compare, say, New York City to what it is today versus it was in 2019 because right. public schools have lost a quarter million kids. Oh, right. So I mean, for the archdiocese of New York to keep their numbers flat, I mean that's a tremendous achievement, given the fact that. So, uh, but you know the good news is is that we're you know, we're seeing great, uh, in particular in the southeast and Florida, we're seeing huge growth. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of uh, movement in places like the Northeast and the Midwest, um, you know, but places like California continue to grow. San Diego was up double digits wow. uh, coming out of the pandemic, for example. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that the most important thing for us, and as we look at the numbers I and mean, every number represents, you know, a teacher and a principal and a student and the family that, that, um, that, uh, shows to be part of the Catholic school community and, and to see those communities grow and thrive is
0: really the exciting part of all this. Wow. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was reading a story out of the Oregonian in Portland uh, about the number of students decline uh, because of COVID, presumably because of COVID, that just haven't come back, uh, mm-hmm. not, not in the Catholic schools, but in, in the public schools that were, it was, it was not an insignificant number. Uh, that they presumably most of them at the high school level that basically just sort of dropped out and just that that's it. They're gone. Yes.
2: And the biggest numbers are at college, you know, mm-hmm. American colleges have a million fewer students now than they did wow. the pandemic. So, you know, we've seen a lot of movement and people choosing different life paths. I mean, this, this, uh, the pandemic continues to, you know, be, uh, it's going to have a very long tail in terms of one of these big historical events that really changed the direction of a lot of things. But, you know, the good news for Catholic schools and, uh, you know, one of the, the, the fun bits of my job is So I was at the Capitol today for, uh, for a rally and I'll be there next week for Catholic Schools Week. And, you know, we um, you know, the storytelling we're doing I, really is looking at three things. And, you know, one is that teachers matter. And the other piece is teaching matters. And mm-hmm. the third piece is community matters. So I've got a minute. I'd just love to tell you a little oh, bit what, it may, yes, what please. I mean
0: about that. Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah, so, so as far as teachers, you know, the, the statement that teachers matter, you know, our Catholic schools opened up nationally as early as they could coming out of COVID. And so that means we had 146,000 educators that all made the choice to go back to work in a pandemic At a time when a lot of other schools were closed. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that, and it wasn't like there was, it wasn't like the Pope sent everybody the memo and said, you all have to do this. Um, Communities all came to this conclusion one by one on their own. Really, this was, like I said, 6,000 communities all deciding that they needed to be open and then then stepping up and doing that. So, you know, our teachers uh, really did something incredible. And we're just very proud of what what that means for the kids, because, uh, you know, the second piece, teaching the the, the teaching matters. Uh, so the teachers matter for us as, as leaders and heroes, but, but the fact that we're in person, our Catholic schools perform the best of any large system during the pandemic academically. So mm-hmm. the American students are way behind now uh, with their academics if you look at the overall numbers. And we talked about this last time. So everybody's down, but Catholic schools have done the best job of keeping kids Close to where they should have been had the pandemic not happened. So, uh, you know, we, um, you know, we we really believe that our schools are worthy of, of support. You know, for the, for the teachers themselves and what they represent in Christian witness, but then also for the teaching that we offer. I mean, our schools have done great academically throughout this pandemic, and and we see families. We think part of the reason that families are coming um, coming back or um, Coming to our schools and stay in our schools is because uh, because of that difference.
0: We, we know that we were able to deliver. Yeah, we uh, uh, Catholic Herald here in in Sacramento. We had a uh, there was a story about a, a little boy his his family uh, were, wanted wanted him back in school and eight years old and uh, found St James in Davis and and they weren't Catholic and. Their little boy, Ricky, lives right across the street from us. It's, he's now Catholic. <laughs> he's, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's just a, a, a chi- and they have two, two other little ones, and the, the, mo- the mom was quoted in the article as saying, I've got to get used to the idea that I'm going to have three Catholic children because they're all going to go to St. James. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And we're hearing this
2: story tens of thousands of times over across the country, you know, so for— your Catholic listeners, uh, you know, wanting for, you know, signs of growth and, and vibrancy in the Church. I mean, we're we're seeing families that, that weren't Catholic Catholic at all or maybe were disaffiliated um, doing things like having their kids ap- baptized or having their marriages convalidated or going to RCIA. And so, um, you know, and that's the third part of this is, you know, we, we know that disaffiliation is a problem for, for all churches and for the Catholic Church, too, that you know people people a lot of habits were broken during covid and but in the years before too that maybe people weren't uh, going to mass or you know they stopped going to mass during the pandemic mm-hmm. and, and you know mass attendance is down. but you know we we see our schools as a real bright spot because par- parents parents are falling in love with their Catholic school communities and that's a real chance for the church to to evangelize and to to get closer to these families
0: so when you talk about you know that that kids you know really fell out of the tree during, during COVID. How do you, is there, is there a particular age group that was harder hit uh, than, than other age groups?
2: There was, you know, so we had the most growth to put it as a positive with the younger grades. Mm-hmm. So we saw that, you know, a lot of families that when, when a child is older, or older, maybe they were a little light, less likely to transfer schools. But, for the younger kids, uh, we saw those classrooms fill up, and mm-hmm. so like well, well over half the Catholic schools in the United States, as best as we can tell, have wait lists for at least one class Wow, and you know, our numbers show that that the younger families in particular were drawn to our schools and they stayed, uh, which makes sense you know the our schools were open, and younger kids aren't you know, it's it's harder to leave a seven year old at home all day long during a pandemic versus a seventeen year old so yeah, we saw the most saw the most growth there, uh, which is exciting because we know that those, those families presumably will be with us all the way through middle school and hopefully through high school.
0: So how, how do you compensate for, you know, for in some cases it's pretty dramatic uh, loss of learning. How do you compensate for that? Are kids, I mean, are, are kids being held back or uh, how, how do you compensate for that?
2: That's a great question. You know, holding kids back really doesn't work, and mm-hmm. remediation really doesn't work. You know, What we're talking about is acceleration. And The, the image that we use is that when, when you build a home, you have some walls that are load-bearing and other ones that are just partition walls. In other words, it looks like a wall, but it's not carrying the roof the way the outside wall is. And so the important thing in recovering is to keep the kids moving forward really focusing on teaching them the essential things. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't go back and, if a child's lost a year, you can't try to make up the year and teach the new year at the same time. But what you do have to do is really get them caught up uh, to where they need to be, um, you know, based on those really critical concepts, all those things that we need to learn. You know, our, our teachers in Sacramento, by the way, have spent years mapping out these critical concepts um, as as, a, as teams of hundreds, um before the pandemic, and so that was really serendipitous. So shout out to Katie and the, the great Catholic schools team in the Diocese of Sacramento. You know, we know our teachers look at that list and say, okay, there might be 120 things we're trying to teach in English this year, but here are the 15 that are the most important this semester, and we're going to really focus on those. So that that's the thing. You can't remediate. It takes too much time, um, some, but some things you can't skip over either. And so really making sure kids understand that before they go on to the next level. Is the the name of the game for us right now? Wow,
0: wow. So, when you talk about lobbying, is is that? And I know that the USCCB does a lobbying. Uh, the California Catholic Conference and the various mm-hmm. conferences, state conferences around the country, do lobbying. Is is most education lobbying done at the state level or the national level?
2: It's at both ends, and so um, you know where our our federal our federal system is kind of a complex beast. Uh, but, you know, our friends at the USCCB uh, have, uh, you know, they, they, so they're the lobbyists. You know, we, we help on the research side and the policy side, and we collect the data, but they actually do the lobbying on behalf mm-hmm. of the church. So, you um, know, just meeting with uh, with that group today, and so they go out, and um, and they're the ones that are registered lobbyists, and they, they advocate for us. Um, you know, we'll show up and offer data or testimonials or, you know, we, we we are very grateful for them, and you know, we I, I go where they tell me to because you know they 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 help construct the narrative, and then you know others like I come in and, and help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and then there's another organization called Cape. That's an association. It's a fun group of all of the private schools. Uh, and so that's where the you know the the, the priest and the rabbi and the uh, and the Quaker walked into a bar and talked about uh, school policy. So that's that group. You know, our, our friends. The Catholic Church advocates for itself at the national level, but sometimes collaborates with other faiths um, and other groups when we um, have common interests, and everybody can unanimously agree that, yeah, this is good for all of us. So there's that group, too. So at at the state level, uh, all 50 states have the same structure. So in California, we've got the California Catholic Conference, and then we've got a group called CAPSO, which is the state. Cape Affiliate of all the different private school organizations, both faith-based and non-state faith-based. So, yeah, so just so your listeners know, uh, there's uh, very, very, very sharp people all over the country advocating for the interests of the, the church and our church schools.
0: What are the hot-button issues now in terms of legislatively?
2: Great question. Okay, so school choice is a huge question right now. There's a lot of work at the state level across states to get school choice programs into place. Um, things like uh, um, tax credits, vouchers, um, uh, educational savings accounts—you know—different ways that parents receive government money directly or, or tax credit money indirectly that they can then apply to their child going to a school of the family's choice. Right. So that this is this is a big effort. It's not on the docket in California at the state level, but uh, there's there's um, you know, discussion at the federal level of a bill that's been introduced that won't pass. Um, Uh, But uh, a lot of states like Iowa and Utah are are moving new bills across through their legislature. So, you know, parents in more and more places have the ability to um, to get support uh, for uh, tuition for the school of choice. So, mm -hmm.
0: yeah. So so um, so so-called vouchers uh, is has the U.S. Supreme Court ever ruled on that, on the constitutionality of that?
2: It has, and you know, there's uh, when people will talk about vouchers, but that can mean different things. Mm-hmm. In places like Florida, so uh, Arizona, for example, they have tax credit programs, and so people will uh, or businesses will take a tax credit that where the the money will go into a scholarship fund, and then the parents receive the money directly from that fund. So it's not actually a voucher. In other words, it's not government money per se going to the person. Um, you know, that's important to us because. Uh, if the church takes federal dollars directly, that also means that we wouldn't be able to do certain things according to church teaching in terms of hire. So, like we, it um, was a longer conversation than the 20 minutes we have today, Bob. But you know, uh, the church does have to be very careful about how it takes money. Uh, in these programs, because sure. it could affect our ability to operate according to our own
0: yeah, uh, teaching,
2: and we're very protective of our independ-
0: independence. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. yeah. There, uh, there, there's no such thing as a free lunch, and it's a, especially the case when you're taking uh, public dollars.
2: Exactly, exactly. So um, you know, our our you know our bishops and all of the the people that support them spend a lot of time looking uh, at all of this law behind the scenes, including NCEA, in we've got our great expert, Sister Dale, who understands McDonald, who understands a lot, the, the actual wording of the law pretty much better than anyone. And so, um, yeah, we, uh, we we do our best to steer the ship so that when parents can take advantage of these programs, you know, it's already been vetted, and we, um, we know that they'll be able to uh, have a Catholic option.
0: Uh, you know, it seems as—and I could be wrong, uh, I'd love your opinion on it—that That the opposition to, you know, whether you call it vouchers or what it is, uh, isn't so much uh, an anti-Catholic or an anti-private school, uh, but it's it's the fear, uh, really an unfounded fear, that that this is going to destroy the public school system.
2: Yes. I mean, that 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 argument's been put forward more than once, that, uh, you know, we've we spent a lot of time talking about this, that they're, well, it will destroy public schools. Well, that mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet anywhere the choice has been introduced, or, right, um, you know, the concern that um, somehow Catholic schools are only for rich kids, and that's not a true statement. I mean, we are very broad in our base, and, and um, you know, children of lesser economic means are some of the greatest beneficiaries of a Catholic education when you look at outcomes. So we're our schools, like our Cristo Rey High Schools, for example, right. and we're very proud of the, the service ethic of our Catholic schools. So, uh, yeah, we spend a lot of time educating legislators and governors and others about no, we're not, we're not elite prep schools. We really are here to support, um, you know, and in particular the the underserved, uh, according to our mission.
0: Yeah, it's interesting uh, because when when you you hear the, the quote "elite," um, they're, they're almost always pointing to the high schools. You know, and Uh and frequently because our football team seemed to win so well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, oh, it must be a bunch of elite kids, you know, and uh, there are so many. You look at so many elementary schools that in in really underserved communities where the Catholic school is just soldiering on.
2: Indeed. You know, our average parochial school anywhere in the country is generally, generally charging tuition that's about half of what a, a public school down the street would be receiving for the same child.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and
2: so, you know, we work on lean budgets. Uh, we know that every parish makes a strong effort to, to make scholarships available for the underserved. We know all of our high schools. I believe like Christian Brothers Sacramento... Um, you could fact-check this, but I think their tuition aid is around $3 million a year now.
0: Wow. Um,
2: so our schools are very proud of, of uh, investing uh, heavily in, in making that, that education accessible to all.
0: And a lot of that, that tuition aid comes from uh, proud alums who saw the value of it in their own lives.
2: Absolutely. I mean, and we're, I mean folks, like, folks like me that are proud products of Catholic schools are very happy to give back because you know, we, we know the, the difference that it
0: made for us. Yeah, I remember reading uh, somewhere uh, about the average cost in a public high school to a- to ed- to educate a kid here in California, and I and I went, wow, that sounds remarkably similar to the tuition at our Catholic high schools.
2: <laughs> and it is, you know, we we try to pair our teachers competitively. Um, you know, we're not, we don't have ninety eight percent sisters. Uh, yeah. And brothers and, and priests now that that essentially worked for free. I mean, Catholic education has always been expensive. It's just we had hundreds of thousands of you know, mostly women that were willing to you know live, you know, t- take vows of poverty to make that education accessible to others. You know, now we we are we are proud of uh, you know the fact that that we are able to um, have excellent lay teachers paid a um, paid a competitive wage, but also keep those schools accessible. That's the goal.
0: We're talking with Lincoln Snyder, the uh, president and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association, NCEA. When it gets to March Madness, do you worry people are going to confuse you with the NCAA?
2: Uh, well, you know, I, be, being a uh, proud of Georgetown Ahoya, I, <laughs> I'm not sure how much I really want to <laughs> uh, put my hopes on the NCAA anyway. It, it the
0: Hoyas are to struggling out, a but, bit.
2: Yeah, let's can, can we not talk about that? Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> but uh, many other Catholic schools are doing very well.
2: They are absolutely. So I I know our friends uh, from the Jesuit order every year count how many schools have gotten into the uh yep. into the tournament. So we'll 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 see this year, but I'm sure they'll have another strong showing.
0: I used to to do brackets with uh family and friends, uh, but but the brackets included questions uh, like how many Jesuit schools will get to the the elite eight? Or you know, <laughs> you know. and and uh, we we'd always there were there were always about a dozen schools that were cardinals, and I'd say those are those are holy men. They're not birds. <laughs> so yeah. yeah.
2: Miss you all at the Pastoral Center, but uh, you know, the, the the work here with the association is really rewarding, and it's it's fun to to get the national picture and and like I said, see so many communities doing all the same things that we know every every parish and every school is doing everywhere to to, to help their kids out.
0: Well, Lincoln, they're they're lucky to have you. If you had a magic wand, what would make your job easier?
2: Oh my goodness, what would make my job easier? uh you know i i think like catholic schools themselves we uh we operate on a shoestring and uh you know try to get a lot done with uh, as little as possible so um, you know that the church can do as many things as possible i um you know i, I would uh i am just great actually truly i'm grateful for the growth that we've seen that you know i've gone from a team of team of 14 post-pandemic when i started to a team of 30 and uh by the end of next year so we're we're growing and just uh you know, if I knew exactly everything we could do to help everybody out everywhere, um, you know, I know that we would uh, try to find a way to do that.
0: Well, Lincoln, I greatly appreciate all the great work you're doing. I appreciate all the work you did here in uh, Sacramento, and we wish you and your family and uh, everybody you're working with their uh, God's blessings in the new year. Hey, thanks so much. God bless. Hey, take care, Lincoln. That's uh, Lincoln Snyder, the... Uh, President and CEO of the National Catholic Educational Association, the NCEA, and and wow, uh, you, you knew he was on an up- upward trajectory when he was here. He was such a such a enthusiastic, energetic, uh, innovative idea person, and uh, really, really lucky to have him there at the NCEA. The World Day of the Sick Mass is coming up Saturday, February the fourth. Uh, 11 a.m. Holy Mass with Bishop Soto at Our Our Lady of the Assumption Parish, OLA, at 5057 Cottageway in Carmichael. The celebration of the Eucharist will include the sacramental anointing of the sick, the blessing of caregivers, and blessing with water from the shrine in Lourdes in France. Uh, it's sponsored by the Diocese of Sacramento and the Great Order of Malta. For for information on this, uh, contact Tony Real. Tony is at 916-733-0274, or you can send Tony an email at T-R-I-E-H-L at scd.org. Uh, in fact, anything you want to know about the diocese, go to SCD. That stands for Sacramento Catholic Diocese, scd.org. Also, World Marriage Day will take place on Saturday, February 11, with Holy Mass at 9.30 a.m. with Bishop Soto at Good Shepherd Catholic Church at 9539 Racket Court in Elk Grove. You're invited to join as we honor marriage and salute the beauty of faithfulness, sacrifice, and joy in married life. It will also be live streamed. There will be a special blessing for sacramentally married couples and an opportunity for them to renew Their marital commitment after Mass, there'll be an opportunity to receive a blessing and a picture with Bishop Soto. Special certificates will be distributed at the reception honoring couples celebrating milestone anniversaries. If you'd like to be one of those couples, please let the diocese know at scd.org backslash WMD for World Marriage Day or uh, contact the Faith Formation Office at 916-733-0133 and be sure to bring uh, your kids, uh, bring the whole family, everybody, uh, grandma, grandpa, uh, you know, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, uh, bring the whole family. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. And what a wonderful treasure. Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, They're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights give them a call 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley and Associates a private wealth advisory practice of America Pro- Price Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. And we uh, are are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town